0: Capturing the world, 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 world. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is David Carmichael II, and I am back with another great episode of the Capturing the World podcast. I have another great special guest. I'm so excited for y'all to hear about her story. Um, her name is Roberta Lee, she is a country music artist from Norfolk, Virginia. Um, her music career has taken off in an amazing way, uh, from getting from getting uh, her music videos featured on uh, Country Music TV, um, from getting nominated at the Veer Music Awards, also being featured on publications such as um, such as The 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 Boot, um, NPR, um, Roberta, Roberta Lee's future was very bright, so nice to meet you. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Nice to meet you too.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. So before we start, I just want to say, um, you know, so we had a, for the Capture World Festival, uh, of course, you know, we had, you know, a sign up link and a lot of artists um, sign up to to perform. And I was listening to like all the artists trying to, you know, figure out who we wanted to perform at that festival. And I stumbled upon your music and it was just so different. And and I listened to your song, um, More Than a Woman. And that's probably like the song that a lot of people might have heard you first. Um, it was an amazing song, and I was like, you know, talking to my dad and other people that that's helping me run the festival, and um, I was like, man, y'all got to listen to this artist. He's a country music artist. I think she'd be a great addition to our festival. Um, I just feel like she she brings something different. So yeah, I'm just very excited to um to have you in here in front of me. So excellent.
1: thank you, thank you. I really appreciate that. I appreciate um, the opportunity. I saw the festival. I think I heard about it. Um, a couple times, perhaps we, you know, being in the creative space, I'm sure we probably cross the same circles, uh, you know, with people that we probably follow online and stuff. So I've seen the festival before, and I love my community. I love the 757. So I'm here to support any way that I can.
0: No doubt, no doubt. I just yeah, thank definitely thank you for wanting to be a part of this experience. Um, so yeah, so my first question I want to ask, you know, um, I definitely read read up about you and, and looked up some of your um older interviews. Um. So like when, I know you said you started songwriting at a young age. So exactly like what time frame was that?
1: that was probably around 15, 16 years old. I got my start like a lot of people do uh, when I was going to church at the time. And, um, you know, I was, I was young. I was getting on every instrument that I could get my hands on. And, you know, I had some friends and some sisters in the church show me a couple chords, you know, here and there. And I, I just took it in and ran with it. I had a um, I was already involved in like music. I used to play orchestra, you know, so when I, music was involved, um, when I was in school, stuff like that. So when I started, um, going to church, you know, they need everybody, especially when it's a small church, they need everybody to play everything, mm-hmm. do everything. <laughs> we need you on drawers. We need you in nursery. We need you, you know? So it was just a great experience. It was a great incubator that really sparked that, um, that side of creativity for me
0: okay no doubt no doubt so um also seeing that you were you were a teacher before you started doing music full-time so let's um kind of touch on that a little bit so like what what were you actually teaching how long were you doing until you decided to go full-time with your career
1: uh so i was teaching spanish oh wow yeah i taught spanish in high school i taught at lake taylor high school and booker t high school okay Um, I taught for a total of about six and a half, seven years and, uh, loved it. I love, I love teaching. I love my students. If any of them happen to to come across this podcast, shout out. I love you. Um, but, um, it was really the pandemic that kind of gave me that little nudge and that little shift to, to give doing music a try just because it was a huge reminder that life is short. And if Mm -hmm. you don't take a chance on yourself, who will? Um, And so I was teaching during the pandemic. We were virtual most of the time. And, you know, high school students, they didn't want to take, they didn't want to turn their cameras on or anything like that. So at the time there was always already like this disconnect that, before, when I would normally be really attached to my students, I I could teach. I taught Spanish, so I could be the fun teacher. You know what I mean? Like, I could, I could have all the fun I wanted to have. Right. And I would get really, you know, I would get really close with my students. And um, so, usually, when it would be really hard to to make a transition during the pandemic, it was, there was already just a, you know, kind of over the, you know, the, it was just a disconnect already, you know, right, right. I, I didn't know their faces, right, they were behind a computer screen, um, you know, I only saw them, but, um, uh, just a handful of them when we did get back into the classroom, so it was just easier at the time to be like, okay, it, it seems like a good time to make that shift, so I did.
0: Okay, no doubt, no doubt, awesome, so, um, yeah, it's, that's kind of funny, because I was not expecting you to say you were a Spanish teacher, I don't know, I just, the obvious answer probably would have been like, you know, music class or something, Yeah. but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. So like, um, like how did you get into like teaching Spanish? Like, I mean, obviously you had to have learned Spanish and when you were in school, so like, how did that come about?
1: Um, so, you know, I, Oh, what was it? Okay. So at, at the church that I had been going to, by the time I got to college, they, um, were planning their very first mission trip um and we were going to argentina okay um and so with that i was like oh let me take a, a spanish class so i could get acquainted you know at least try um and so it it kind of came naturally because when i was in high school ironically i took french so, oh, wow. so, <laughs> so i took french but knowing one language kind of helps you learn the other so when i got right. to spanish i was like oh this I, I recognize most of this This is very, very similar because they're, you know, romantic languages. And so I decided to take up Spanish, um, to get prepared for those mission trips. And then, um, I kind of just fell in love with it. It kind of just came naturally and I decided to give it a shot.
0: Okay. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I know. I took Spanish when I was in high school. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't pay attention like I should have because now, you know, I'm starting to travel a lot more as far as, like, out of the country. Like, I've been to, um, you know, Dominican Republic. I've been to Colombia. So, you know, going to those places, I got to pull out my Google Translate app and, you know, so I can be able to communicate. But, you know, I kind of wish I was able to pay more attention because I would definitely would, would like to, like, have a, a conversation like with using my own voice instead of using the uh, app be but to
1: tell y'all, I tell,
0: Look, because you know yeah. the, the teacher will always say y'all got to take this serious because you know you might have a job that might require you to be you know learn how to have different language and i was like you know i'm not gonna ever have a job where that would require me to have to learn another language but you know, it's it's never too late. I mean, you know, I can probably buy like some Rosetta Stone it's or whatever other apps are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. it's never
1: too late. And technology has definitely made it a lot easier for us to be able to overcome those barriers. But um, I feel like more than anything, it's really about connecting with people. Like, just there's nothing. One of the greatest feelings I get is starting to speak to someone in Spanish when they didn't see it coming, and wow. and that connection is just so sweet. It right. is so. Cool to be able to connect with people. And um, don't quote me, I think there was some sort of t- statistic that said if we could make up a country based off of the number of people in the United States who speak Spanish, it would be the second largest Spanish speaking country in the world. Wow. That's how many people in the state speak Spanish. So it's not even just traveling to Colombia or travel across the world. It's your neighbor, my neighbor's Cuban, and I'm the only person in the cul-de-sac she talks to because nobody else can speak Spanish, so right. she brings me plates of food because what I tell you she throws down in the kitchen, you know, so it's just a it's just a matter of connecting with people that I think learning another language is very beautiful,
0: definitely, definitely indeed, I definitely agree with you on that mm-hmm. um so. Moving on. So let's talk about Um, I read that you had you crowdfunded or you had a kickstart to help you with your EP. Was That was your first EP, Um, Just a Taste?
1: No, actually, I, I came out with Just a Taste on my own okay. in 2021. Um, I produced it here in my home studio. I wrote all the songs and, and did the produce and produced. Actually, I write and produce everything for oh, myself. Wow. Okay. Um, and so after that um there was definitely some momentum that started building and i was encouraged by friends they were like you should try it. you should go ahead and make your own album and run a kickstarter to get support for it right. um and so that was that was the goal i released too much of a woman the acoustic version um what was that at the at the beginning of 2022 mm-hmm. and based off of those response and the momentum that was building Um, I, I took their, their advice and I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go for an album. So I put together my Kickstarter and the the response was beyond my wildest dreams. It was, it was, yeah, just getting support from my local community. And then like nationally Grammy award-winning stars are like sharing my Kickstarter.
0: Right. How did that feel? Like...
1: It, I mean, I definitely had my share of ugly crying on social media. So <laughs> nah, it, for was, real. it was great. It was great. So we're in the process of finishing the album now. I'm keeping in touch with all the folks who supported it. And more than anything, guaranteed, there are three hundred and sixteen people who are ready for this album to come out when it drops.
0: <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And um, one thing I can say, you know, that I, I tell people a lot is um. You know, especially when it comes to music, I've I've talked to different artists and I know some people might feel like nobody, nobody cares or nobody's listening or nobody's watching, but I feel like it's always people watching. You just don't know. Everybody's not going to ever maybe say it to your face or let you know, but, you know, people are watching. So I always encourage people to just put music out there. I got a cousin that does music. Um, Mm -hmm. People I know that do music as well. So. Um, did you feel like that? Did you feel like, uh, like when you first started, that you was afraid that people probably won't gonna listen, or maybe you didn't have a start, an audience to start off with? Like, how did you feel like really getting out of out of your shell and really going out there and, and try to pursue it?
1: Um. There, there, I definitely, I think anybody can relate to that, you know, and I've definitely experienced because I had to be, my friends had to convince me to do the Kickstarter to begin with. Right. So yeah, it was in the back of my mind, like, okay, is anyone really going to support her? is anyone really going to respond to this, um, this project, you know, that I'm trying to do? And um, I went, I started the Kickstarter with an open heart. Um, and you know, the worst case scenario is that you don't hit your goal. Right. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the money before anyway. So what difference does it make? Right. Right. So the worst case scenario is that you don't hit your goal. And then I felt like the lesson that I wanted to keep in mind is that, okay. Um, and I've had some friends go through this where they tried kickstarters and they haven't hit their goals and it's like, okay, well you have to now take a step back and evaluate, are you connecting with your fans? more than anything, right? Um, because a lot of times we're pursuing music, we're pursuing creativity. Um, we're reaching up. We're trying to get the person who blew up, or we're trying to rub shoulders with another artist who's blowing up, or we're trying to rub shoulders with this, this label person or this, you know, this playlist person. You're trying to find these people who have power positions, but people forget to actually genuinely connect with their audience. And so when, if, you know, if people, all I knew is that if people didn't respond, that meant I have more work to do as far as connecting with my audience. Right. You know what I mean? That, that, and there's a strategy to it, you know, like you have to, I was taking advantage of the visibility that was taking place. I'm a member of the Black Opry and there were, um, we were on tour um, at the time. So I strategized um when i was going to do a kickstarter you know what i mean so sure. i was doing a kickstarter while i was on the road so when i was on the road and i was doing a show i would announce to the whole audience hey i'm doing a kickstarter i would print out qr codes and i would put them on the tables and on the chairs and when i was doing my set I say hey by the way you might have seen this qr code i'm doing a kickstarter here's how you can support so there's a lot of strategy that goes on around You know getting that kind of support like that but more than anything connecting making sure that your audience is connected and you know if you don't reach your goal you can try again and evaluate reevaluate and and give it another shot
0: most definitely most definitely and i i seen that you well i heard that you mentioned um the black opry and um i definitely wanted to ask you about that so how did you um you know link up with them
1: That's a, that's an interesting story. That is an interesting story. Um, so 2020, 2021, right. We got the pandemic going on. We're most of the time locked up in the house. And so I was getting bored of my, all my other social media. And so I decided to open Twitter back up. I, when Mm -hmm. I first logged into Twitter, I had no clue. I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) It was completely over my head. And so I just ignored it. And so, out of my boredom, I went back to Twitter to see what was happening there, too. Right. And um, I started following a radio show called Color Me Country, which is founded by Reese Palmer, who is the first black woman to chart country music charts in a number of years. I think since Linda Martell back in the 1960s. Um, I can't I don't know the exact number, but a, a really long time. Um, and she's had her run-ins with, um, trying to pursue country music and being a black woman. And she's had some not so great experiences out of that. And so, um, in 2020, she starts Color Me Country Apple Radio. Mm -hmm. I'm following it on Twitter and another woman is following that as well. Her name is Holly G.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so we crossed paths because we both follow this, this radio show and so um, there was one time I was expressing some doubt about going to Nashville and whether or not I should do country music and Holly just really hyped me up. We still have that tweet. We have it saved and bookmarked she's she just hyping me up, you know, yeah. she's like, we can do it, we're gonna do it. And um, soon after that, she starts a Black Opry blog. So Holly's story is that, um, you know, she's a country music fan, she's a Black woman, she's LGBTQ, so she never felt comfortable going to country music concerts, because she would walk around and see confederate flags all over the place, and she just never really knew if she was welcome. And the tipping point was one of her, um, an artist, I think, that she was listening to at the time, got caught on camera saying some derogatory terms that are usually addressed to black people. And, um, and it was kind of like a moment where she was like, man, I really love to listen to country music without having to worry about whether or not (laughs) the artists I like are racist, you know, that would be great.
0: Right.
1: And so she creates this, um, blog to collect profiles of black artists who do country music. So she's just doing her research online and finding us. So when I released, um, I released Remarkable Lady, I released King Size, um, And, and she's like, Roberta released her first country songs. And I was like, I did? (laughs) (laughs) And, and she was like, and she puts my profile on the Black Opry page. She's like your country, you know? And so it's just a matter of her just taking me by the hand and, and bringing me along for the ride. I've always, people have always describe my music that way you know they would hear me and they are like yeah you got like a country pop vibe going on but I just didn't know what to do with it I didn't know what that meant I didn't know where to go you know I couldn't pull up to some honky tonk and start and start jamming on my guitar because right. it wouldn't sound country enough to them you know I always hit this brick wall well where I sound country to one pair of ears but then i was too r&b to another pair of ears and then Mm. i was more pop to it you know i just i couldn't find home right and so when she started the black opry she created a space where i was free to be me without having to prove myself like yeah i'm i'm country i have a song back to georgia i wrote it a long time ago it's just a, a straight up g chord tried and true country song I wrote it a long time ago and I just sat there because I, I didn't know what to do um and so after a couple months uh we met in Nashville for the Americana Fest and that's what birthed in a, a, an entire new um chapter in my life and it's been running ever since
0: that's awesome that's awesome I, I like that um so I, and I guess this, this leads to my next question too. Um, why do you think black represent representation in country music is important?
1: Well, we created country music.
0: Definitely. So the in good that? And the, fact. In the, in the whole, <laughs> whole whole bunch of other music as well. Let's That's be real. All of it. Right. <laughs> all of it. <laughs>
1: Honestly, all popular music can trace its roots back to black influence. Mm-hmm. Um so that's step one (laughs) that it it is just as much our music as it is as it is anybody else's it is the prime example of melting pot america where you had the banjo which i didn't know was a west african instrument Mm -hmm. right so you have the banjo coming from west africa you have the fiddle coming from ireland and you and, and they all meet in appalachia right and start and start fusing and 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 blooming and and creating this, um, the music that we know and that we love today. So black representation in country music should just simply be a given. It's ours,
0: right? Yeah, <laughs> as <simple> as that's <laughs> as simple as that. Yeah, it's
1: as for simple as that. Yeah, simple sure. as that. So, um, and you know, we country music is they call it the three cores and the truth. It's the storytelling. Um, and storytelling is as old as human history, well, obviously we wouldn't have human history if we weren't telling the stories of human history, right? Mm-hmm. So storytelling is a part of who we are and um, being able to tell those black stories through that country music lens is is extremely important. And I'm seeing that every time I perform and people come up to me and hear songs, um, and hear phrases and hear things that we just simply connect to, um, in, in that light. So yeah, bottom line is that it's our music.
0: No doubt. Do do you think that, um, how can I word this? Like, I guess black people in general, um, how they look at country music, um, I guess I guess what is a way that we can I guess, not think is just one people type of music, and I'm when I'm saying a certain people like white music. I mean, I I would say like most people, most black people might look at country as as a white genre of music. So <laughs> yeah. how how can we change that narrative? Like, I mean, obviously you're doing your thing, but how can we really start to support other black artists that do country like? I guess how can we really support that? Because I would think that you know, if somebody was to say they was doing country music, they might look at them. People that don't listen to it might look to, look at them and like, oh, you're black, you are doing country, like mm-hmm. that's not your lane. But but it is. But we don't look at it that way. You know, how can we change that?
1: I think I think that burden is on the artists
0: mm-hmm.
1: who do country music to to um to kind of capture that frontier of of our community and, right. and our, our community and connecting it to country music. For me personally, as a songwriter, I am very intentional. I mean, a lot of times I don't think about it, but then there are other times where I'm intentional about using language, about using phrases, about using words, about using references that we connect to. Um, so a prime example, um, I have a song that's coming out called Dinner, Sunset, Nina Simone, mm-hmm. right? In country music, people always are going to reference their greats, right? That's the common thread in country music, where they're going to shout out Tim McGraw. They're going to shout out Dolly Parton. You know what I mean? They're going to shout out Reba. You know, they mm-hmm. they kind of shout out the great artists who have come before them in country music. And so because it has been uh, predominantly white, um, genre, all the artists that they shout out are going to be white for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just math. Um, and so, I, here I come with a song called "About Nina Simone." Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> and that's just, that's 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 some
0: black stuff, right? That
1: that's a, that's black. You know I
0: mean? like, that's black. Right <laughs> that's right that's like Black Panther, like back, here like you
1: know what I'm yeah, it's like it, you know, I that. And it was a moment that I wrote, you know, I wrote a song about particular moment where we were sitting down listening to Nina Simone. Mm -hmm. And there's a phrase at the end. So every, every hook goes, um, so, you know, so turn off the TV and put down the phone, it's time for dinner sunset Nina Simone, you know, um, the last one says, um, um, but it doesn't phase us. Oh my, how we've grown. We own that dinner sunset Nina Simone, and I was I, I was letting a friend listen to it. You know, I was sharing the song with friends, and one of them stopped and she was like, "I love how you put our language in there. Like we own it. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't even know what that means, but we just say that we own it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. We own that dinner sunset Nina Simone. Like that is our language. That's the way we speak. You know, we own that. We own that. You know what I mean? We own that cookout today. We own it. You know what I mean? Like. we right. just, just say that. And I didn't think about it at the time. But when she made that note, I was like, yeah, that's the that is, that's the way we talk. So that's the way I write songs. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just very intentional about including those buzzwords in our music. And that is what for from my experience has been capturing people. I have a song called Ghetto Country Streets. That one was dinner. sunset, Nina Simone was subconscious. Ghetto Country Streets was very conscious. I was like, Country music has plenty of references to the struggle when it comes to using words like trailer park or trailer trash. You know what I mean? Like that's that's their reference to growing up right. in the struggle. And I'm like, but our what's our phrase? <laughs> our, our phrase is ghetto. Right, right. Like, we come from the hood. So I made a conscious decision to write a song called Ghetto Country Streets, you know. Um, and so I think that the response the responsibility definitely falls on the artist to make a music music and make a craft that connects to everybody because it just because I'm using our phrases doesn't like I, from my experience, my my fans from the white community don't feel alienated yeah because they relate to that. When they hear a song like ghetto Country, Shoes, they're like, yeah, I was growing up, and we didn't have a lot, and we would do the best with what we had exactly. and they and they would relate to that too. You know, no doubt. so I think it's definitely the artist's responsibility to create a craft and create pieces and create works that connect to everyone in your audience, your niche, your own personal community, as well as community outside yours.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, that's a good answer, because I definitely can relate Well, I relate, but I definitely can agree um, that you definitely got to try to relate to your audience and not. I would think, you know, some people might, um. Hold on one second. Okay, so yeah, so I would definitely think um, some people might try to relate to a certain audience to try to capture one audience, but forget about who they really should be speaking to. Um, so, you know, that's great that you definitely try to, like, use certain, um, certain terms that kind of relate to our culture. Even though it's country, you can still relate to our culture with country music. So yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, So my next question is, I want to say, what are your, who were your music inspirations? Like who inspires you to do music? Who inspires you back then, and who inspires you now, as far as musically, any genre?
1: So my biggest inspiration that helped me take the leap—that rest her soul, Tina Turner.
0: Hmm. Yes indeed. Yeah,
1: I'm still in my feelings right now, so Definitely I a
0: legend. A it's all good.
1: But I saw her documentary what she came out with her, her her documentary on HBO where she was just saying, like, hey y'all, I'm I'm out, I'm done. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, right. no. But um, you know, she's kind of wrapping things up. And to look at her life from my adult perspective encouraged me a lot. Because, number one, I'm a wife, I'm a mom right now. um, And I'm in my mid-30s. So I'm not this little young, but, you know, I'm not this little (laughs) young doe (laughs) trying to to do music. And in the back of my mind at the time, I felt like perhaps I had passed my prime, right? That the music industry wouldn't be interested in someone like me. Okay. So to see her career explode at 40 that is when the Tina Turner that we know of the Tina Turner that rose above because there's an Ike in Tina and she left that behind right mm-hmm. the, the queen of rock and roll that we know and love of today her journey began at 40 years old
0: I had no idea I did not know that
1: she didn't, right, the way she moving on that stage, I would have never guessed. Right, I would have never, never guessed. 40 years old is when her, her her career pinnacled. And so what was even more interesting is the fact that her very first solo project that she released when after she left Ike and Tina was a country project. Mm. It's called Tina Turns the Country On. And she's doing covers of popular country songs. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do country music. Right?
0: But you're right. But she decided to do go a different Well, route. at the
1: at the time, right? We're talking about country music. Look, we're we're talking about how right now we're black folks are just starting to break in. So you can imagine at the time they weren't trying to have it.
0: Nah, yeah. <laughs> mm
1: mm. They they weren't out. Queen you know, of who? Queen. They don't, They did not care. They weren't. They were not trying to play Tina Turner on country music radio. Right. Okay. So she wanted to do country. You know that she's from Nutbush, Tennessee. That woman is country. Mm-hmm. You know, and she 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 put out a country project. So her very first project, her very first solo project was a country project, and her pinnacle of her the the peak of her career was at forty. That told me all I needed to know, Right. <laughs> you know, that told me all that I needed to know. So, um, growing up the radio had a variety. <laughs> Our household had a variety of, of music. Um, my mom of course had her eighties and nineties R&B. So you had the Anita Bakers, the Roberta Flax, um, Things of that nature. My sisters, um, I had one sister who would listen to Alanis Morissette and Jewel and Cheryl Crow. and I had another sister who was listening to Tupac, <laughs> Katrina. You know, right? Um, and of course, we all loved our '90s R&B: the TLC, the SWV, right? All that stuff. Definitely. Um, and then uh, classics like Bill Withers, Tracy Chapman. Um. So my influence runs pretty deep pretty deep um as far as who I grew up listening to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston like I could I to me like I just put headphones on and just zone out for the whole day you know what I mean as a kid so um that's the reason why um I feel like the the genre that I uh my musician friends have created for me country neo-pop fits so well because it kind of encompasses all of the the songs and the influences that I've had
0: throughout throughout my life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So um unfortunately I got a four minute left timer. I forgot that Zoom puts these yeah. timers up here so yeah. um i'm gonna have oh, to ask good. you yeah i know just because it's, it's it yeah okay, it's, it's been getting good yeah it's i'm sorry i did not know they had a timer but um well i did but i didn't know it still does it when you have two people online but um so my last question well one more question so let's real quick like who are some artists from around here that that you'd like to listen to or that you that you like overall
1: um like, octavia the great okay Um, she's phenomenal she is a hip-hop artist and i love her to death we've done some collaborative work together and she is like the dopest she is extremely dope um marv p
0: okay um, i heard heard of him yeah yeah
1: yeah. he's another hip-hop artist he's a great friend of ours um shout out to uh christy k um Mm -hmm. who's a pop artist in the area um my friend jared farrell um um I mean, the list goes on, the list goes on. I'm very proud of um, the creators here in the
0: 757. So. No doubt, no doubt. Definitely, we definitely have a lot of talent. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely from sports to music, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so last question. Well, probably two more questions. All right, so um, real quick, any advice for young black woman, this black woman in wanting to wanting to do music, what one piece of advice would you give to them? Uh,
1: find some community.
0: Mm. There's
1: a phrase that goes, "If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together."
0: Nice quote. So
1: definitely, definitely find some community um, that and that has great synergy, great energy, and you guys work well together and 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 take the journey together.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Okay. Um. So this is my real last question. This is a question that I ask all of my guests. Um. And this relating to what you do, um, how do you plan to capture the world?
1: Ooh. Okay, wait a second. I was right.
0: <laughs> Everybody's always blown away about that, about that question, but you got two <laughs> minutes left, so... I got two minutes do I don't
1: plan on capturing the world. I plan on capturing the world through my music, through songwriting, through writing songs, like we mentioned earlier, that connect with everyone, mm-hmm. um, that make people think um that make people laugh that make people cry um and that make people connect and 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 find community with one another i i plan on capturing the world through my songs
0: no doubt no doubt okay well that's a wrap um miss roberta lee like i said before um thank you for being a part of this podcast definitely excited to see you perform at the second annual capture the world festival in hampton virginia um, I feel like our our guests and spectators are going to be blown away about by your music and your voice and that's your you know you'd be playing a guitar you'd be doing it oh i'll be seeing your videos um so definitely excited um can, you want to tell the people your um, social media real quick and where can they find your music at
1: yeah, people can find me um, if they visit www.iamrobertalee.com and also on social media at I am Roberta Lee. And Lee is spelled L-E-A. If you spell it with an E, that's not me. <laughs> for, I'm
0: Tyler. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, well, it's a wrap. Um, this is David Carmichael II with second of the Caption World podcast. Um thank you for all of our Spotify listeners, YouTube listeners, and Apple Podcast listeners. And uh, we'll see y'all on the next episode. You have a good one. Peace.